Yes.
Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and worship on this unseasonably warm, weary, windy day. <laughs> and Jesus went to the mountaintop to pray. Jesus went into the city to heal. Jesus walked to Samaria to extend love. Jesus went to the water's edge to teach. Jesus went to places of peace and connection, but Jesus also went into the wilderness. There is nowhere we can go that God does not walk with us. We are in God's house. Let us worship a holy God. Come 
Father, we come into your presence this morning, Lord, to thank you for the opportunity to worship in your house. We welcome you this morning. We pray, God, that you would help us to leave all of our cares and worries aside for the next few minutes, for the, for the next service. And Father, I pray that you would just go with us. Father, in all that we do, Father, bless our efforts. And Father, you are welcome here this morning. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. a place to lay its head so why would I let worry steal my breath even the roses you have clothed in brilliant red still I'm the one you love more than this you give me everything 
Friends, we worship a God who doesn't keep score and doesn't hold grudges. We worship a God who invites us into a richer faith, a deeper love, a more compassionate existence with a million chances to try again. So let us speak truth into our lives, 
asking for God's help where we need it, and let us pray the prayer of confession together. As I read, the words in green are meant for you to join in. Holy God, when we think about that expansive life is about power, teach us a new way. Gracious creator, when we think that expansive life is about material wealth, teach us a new way. Gracious author, when we think that expansive life is about control, teach us a new way. Teach us to live as you live. Teach us to love as you love. Forgive us when we don't. Gratefully we pray, amen. Siblings in Christ, no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how far we wander, no matter how lost we feel, God's grace is full to the brim. It overflows in desert places. It finds us where we are and it covers us in mercy. Hear and believe this good news. God's love is overflowing. We are drenched in mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand for the next two songs if you'd like.
Yes, my heart will sing how I love you. And forever I'll sing, forever I'll sing, yes, my heart will sing how I love you. And forever I'll sing, forever I'll sing, yes, my Thank you, Marty, Tom, James. That was lovely leading us in worship. Welcome to Genesis. My name is Liv. We're so glad you're with us this morning on this spring-like weekend. Um, just a few announcements for you today. We are no longer requiring masks in the sanctuary here or in the lobby. Uh, we do ask that you wear masks whenever you are in the children's room upstairs. So just feel free to continue to wear a mask until you are comfortable. This will be a judgment-free mask zone. Um, but do know that we are making um, plans to eat together as we gather together over these next couple of months like we are uh, later today. So uh, today we are affirming our elders <coughs> excuse me, as a community. So there's a link in your text that you can follow or there's a link uh, if you're joining us on Zoom. And I believe there's a link on the front page of the website. So we do ask that you take a moment. You can go ahead and do that now. You can pull out your phones and uh, follow the link through so we can uh, do that together as a community. Also in a couple weeks, Saturday, March 26th, uh, there's going to be an Equipping Women in Spiritual Leadership sort of workshop and uh, led by Sharon Buttry. It will be here from 9.30 to 11.30. If you do need childcare, go ahead, even while you're in that text, and you can text back and say that you are looking for childcare uh, to be able to join us that Saturday. Uh, please stay and eat with us if you're able, uh, following the service in South Hall today. Even if you forgot to bring your super salad, we'd love to be able to gather together, um, again, as a community, uh, worship, continue our worship together that way. So at this time, stand up, uh, say hi to one another, uh, share how you're spending your spring-like weekend before it reverts to Michigan winter. So,
Henrique. Charlie. He is. He's beautiful. on and unmuted and going. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to, to Genesis. Thank you for being with us this morning. For those of you who are on Zoom and Facebook, welcome. As Liv said, we are affirming, uh, each year we had this process of affirming elders. In our community, elders are servants. It's not a hierarchy where they rise above, they, they go lower. And so they're just a chief of servants in our community. And so we look for people who are willing to serve, to, to lay themselves out to serve a community. And so we want to affirm them. And so if, uh, if you're part of the community, we kind of say, if, you've, if this is your first time here, you're a guest, welcome. If this is your second time, you're family. And so we ask you to affirm the elders. And if you're, you're here and you're like, I, I don't know them. And maybe you're kind of new and you don't know them. Uh, we go through a rigorous process with interviews and putting people before. And so if you don't know someone, we say um, we encourage you to trust the other people in the community. Because these are people who are known. These are people who have led. These are people who lead. These are people who are, are in relationships with others. Their hearts are known. We know what comes out of their mouth. We know how they live. And we affirm them in that way. Not as perfect examples, but as living examples of Jesus. One of our values, or it's one of these markers about our community, is that we, we say that the heroes are among us. Everyday people living like Jesus. No one is a superstar. 
But we do invite you to affirm those elders. And so you can do that if you receive our texts. You can just pop open that one. It's in that, that digital connection card. If you don't receive those, you can go to, you can go take your phone, you can go right to our website and, and click the link that says Sunday service or weekend worship. And then on that, that will be a connection card. There'll be a link where you can click on that and you can affirm them. So I'm going to point them out here just real briefly. So our current elders, Dan Buttry is a current elder. Sandra Guzman de Grimm is a current elder. Nasha Green is a current elder. Nasha is usually on Zoom uh, this morning. And then Ben Hoskins, he is not here. He is a current elder as well. Those are the ones who've been serving uh, from previous years. And new to be affirmed as part of the elders is Bonnie Backing. And so Bonnie is back there, and you got a chance to hear a part of Bonnie's story last week of hearing that invitation of Jesus to say yes and to put herself out and say, Lord, I'll, I'll serve. And so uh, that's five. And um, so that's who we're looking to affirm today. And so that affirmation is in there. If you, if you say no, if you don't affirm, boy, we would love to know why. If you're struggling with the reality of women in leadership, I come on Saturday the 26th to hear about the beauty of God empowering and using those whom he has called and equipped and empowered with the Spirit for the service of his body. So glad you're here. So take a moment to do that. We would, we would really love that. We also thank you for those who continue to model. And yet, Lord, we know that we are anxious and scared that there will not be enough. There are people who are experiencing that. God, have mercy. Extend your care. Move in your spirit to those who have excess. Let us live simply. Let us see that simplicity poured over today in our material lives that that might look like you today. So God, may your kingdom come. May the resources here, God, be used for your good, your purposes, and give us discernment, God, wisdom for how to live, how to do that. Your grace, Lord, your rest, your goodness, your help, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
So we're in the beginning of Lent, which is this period of time leading up to Easter. It's a count of 40 days, not counting the Sundays. So the Sundays are called feasting days. But there's a parallel to this 40 days, to the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. There's a story. And so for any liturgical church or, or any church who follows this, the liturgy or the lexicon or, or the, who, who follow this pattern of teachings on the first Sunday of Lent, the text is always the temptation of Jesus. There are three versions within the Gospels, and those churches that follow liturgy typically have an A, B, C year, and so those three versions are mixed through the years. And so the first Sunday of Lent, within a church who recognizes and follows these patterns, will be the temptation of Jesus. And so today, we find ourselves here. Certain times we will follow the liturgy of the church, and this year we have said, yes, let's do that. Let's join this bigger community in these scriptures in the life of Jesus. So we find ourselves in Luke 4. The sort of the theme of Lent this year is this idea of called full, full to the brim. Even in the desert is today. About this expansive life in Jesus that is available to us. This grace, this love of Jesus that is available even in the desert. And so that's where we're choosing to go today. And as we begin, I want to use this prayer of illumination. And so, would you join with me? God of the wilderness places in our lives, it can be hard to hear you in the desert. It can be hard to hear you in the city, in the midst of our calendar reminders, rush hour traffic, and notification alerts. It can be hard to hear you, so we ask, make everything quiet. Pause the chaos. Still the rushing. Ease our racing thoughts. Give us ears to hear your word for us today, which promises that even in the desert, you are full to the brim. We are listening. We ache for your good news. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4, one of the texts of the temptations of Jesus where he steps into the wilderness, into the desert. But as we do, I want to read one more scripture, this prayer in Ephesians from Paul. It was an anchoring text, an anchoring word from God that we heard as servants in this community, and that we put before us a number of times. I was drawn to it. There was a few words in this that I was drawn to, and that word was experience, experiencing God. And I was reading, and I don't know who came up the quotes or who, who phrased this, and it's an oversimplification, and I might be overly harsh, but even so, here goes. It said that when the first Christian community from the Jewish people was created, it was started with an experience, an experience of Jesus. 
but in some time it moved and it moved to Rome or no it moved to Greece and to that empire and it became a philosophy and it moved to Constantine and Constantinople became an empire and this movement continued to move and it moved to Europe and it became a culture and it moved further west it became a business but even so in all these iterations the mercy of God has poured upon people regardless of what they have made it how it's been distorted with power influence all the temptations the mercy of God has still met people even as they might have done it wrong being the bride of Christ the people of Jesus so today May we experience Jesus where some of our flawed ideas and the flawed concepts and flawed practices, may we experience the God who longs to meet us. And so I pray this upon us from Ephesians. May you, may we experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So may it be, by the grace of God, may you experience today the love of Jesus. Because I believe as we find ourselves and many forcefully within desert places, this is what we need. It's what anchors us in the expanse of life. So may it be. Luke 4, verses 1 to 14. You can follow with me. I'm reading from the NLT version. But this is Luke chapter 4 in the life of Jesus. And it says this, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they're mine. And I give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you'll worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off! For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The Scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left them until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, 
filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. So here we have it. This text of Jesus being tempted within the wilderness situation. Again and again. And we're thinking about this idea of fullness of life. Being filled to the brim even in the desert. But the one thing that we say, this text reminds us when it begins. It says, Jesus filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. So this happens just before. And in this, with this, Jesus goes into this wilderness place. This is so important for us. Because in some way, Jesus tells the story to his disciples. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record it. And every year, the church looks at these. And every year, we find ourselves found in these temptations. Many believe that these temptations are what all of us face the primal temptations. And if so, what do we do? How do we live? And so we must start where it starts. And in the beginning of this, it says Jesus is fooled with the Holy Spirit. This happened in Luke 3. In verse 21, it says this. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. He was immersed in the water. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said this. You are my dearly loved son. You bring me joy. You bring me great joy. And so Jesus, as he goes, led, moved. I believe it's Mark where the actual text says he was driven into the wilderness. He was moved there. He goes there with this. God's spirit. And this affirmation, this identity, the voice of God. Jesus goes into this place with this truth. You're my son, and you bring me joy. He has done nothing. He has done nothing to this point. But yet, the Father speaks out loud. You are mine, and you bring me joy. And we have to pause there because this is utter truth from the Spirit of God. You are my child and I delight in you. Delight in your being and your living and your way. And in that, Jesus moves into the wilderness. And we have to ask these, there's so many questions with this. Why was Jesus and why are we allowed to be tempted? Why is that? Now, Jesus is God, but full humanity, and he was tempted. But why are we allowed? Why does God allow this? I'm not coming with, like, the Bible answer. There's actually no, like, specific saying, here's the point of temptation. It says that God will give us ways out. He prays for us not to fall to it. He tells us to pray not to go into temptation. But why? You can ask God when you see him face to face. But what are your theories? 
So for those who love to answer questions, who love to have hypothesis, who love to think about questions that are difficult, what's your answer? So would you turn to the closest person and say, huh, why do you think we're allowed to be tempted? Why does God allow it? Now again, you're answering for God, so most of us say, these are things too big for me. But if not, what do you think? Why do you think? Do you have an answer? Why does God allow us to be tempted? So turn, and you can just ask him, do you got an answer? Got any thoughts on this? Do you got a two-sentence answer? So ask somebody, introduce himself, look to the wisest person around you. That means silver hair or no hair. Um, glasses. Glasses have a thing of wisdom. So if somebody has glasses, you can ask them. Um, let's see. Who else is wise? God bless you. Oh, and on Zoom, feel free to write it into the chat. Why does God, why do you think? Did anyone around you give a really good answer? Laura. Sorry, Laura, your husband pointed to your head. Can you, Mark, we cool to use this out here? Okay. Um, well, my thought is that God designed the world to be complex, like complexity is part of the beauty of life. And so temptation um, allows us to live out that complexity. Like, do you fall into it? Do you stand strong against it? It's just part of like the beauty of a complex life. There's nothing easy about this life. All right, yeah. I think it's uh, Kate Bowler. She says, life is beautiful. Life is hard, right? Yeah, falls into that. Anybody else have a wise answer? Are you saying your dad does, Jackie? No. He says no. <laughs> he says no. Uh-uh. Any, anybody else? Have a wise, anybody next to them have a wise answer? Oh, Ryan. Ryan, are you willing to share? Again, we're asking questions that we're just like being curious. So... I mean, obviously, this is going to be bigger and more complicated than I can really answer. But uh, my thought is God made us to love him. And without choice, there is no love. And I mean, the other thing is 
it isn't a choice if it isn't something that doesn't look good. Like, mm. a nice cup of tea, good thing. Um, if you were to uh, compare that to a ridiculously rich cup of hot chocolate, it's like, it looks good. Is it good for you? Maybe. But it's like, you have to have a choice in order to be able to make the choice that is love. Hmm. Thank you for being one to answer. Anybody else? Anybody have a point to anybody that we want to hear? Uh, I think the last like few weeks we've been talking a lot about curiosity um, as a component of life, and I would say that um, temptation is a form of curiosity because you are constantly tempted to uh, investigate what is new and different and you know uh, beyond where you're currently at. Um, but from the vantage point of looking into it, like temptation always kind of has like a, uh, a negative connotation because you're leaving something that might be okay or no, you know, known and, and good for its own right. And so there's a, you know, a, a bad negative connotation. But I like what we've been doing with curiosity in that you also have to accept that um, to move into that thing that might have a negative component, the, the upside positive is also incalculable. You don't know what's beyond where you're at. Um, and it's the challenge of life to sort that out as you enter into it, not stay where you're at. Thank you, Shane. Oh, I got, I got some more. All right, okay. Last two, last two. Um, I, I think I've heard somebody say that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So, like, anytime you're focused on anything ex outside of you or any external thing, it's never going to give you joy because you're, you are, you're, like, true. Everything is in you. You're, everything is that you need is you. You are the masterpiece. So, anything that you're trying to get uh, f outside of you is never going to fulfill you because it's inside of you. Thank you, Austin. Do we have one more answer? No, okay. Well, thank you for digging into hard questions. Sorry, that's me popping in. Temptation is. Answering it can, can give us some insight. But this text tells us the story of Jesus being tempted but not going that way. And many have said that these temptations are universal. That they, that they all, that they're representative for all of our lives. Some have even said that all of us must look into these and face these. And that if not all have failed except for Jesus to stand up to their lure to what is offered, to shortcuts, bypassing God's good. Some say that the universal temptations are, 
that all humans must face before they dare to take on any kind of power, as Jesus is about to do. They are all temptations to the misuse of power for purposes less than God's purposes. And so they kind of move. These temptations, and I think that, Ryan, you kind of said it too, is is that um, all the temptations have a partial good to them. If they didn't, they're not tempting. (laughs) There's a good to them. There's a partial good to them. And so because of that, they lure, they shine. There's elements that says, oh, no, yeah, I can see good there. And because of that, it takes immense discernment and wisdom to know whether that is a good that, that God has. And often we may not find ourselves going that direction. And so then we must be guided by the Spirit of God. And we find that Jesus to be the master of spiritual discernment and the Spirit of God to be a gift to guide us into truth. And so how do you navigate these partial goods to lead us into this life? Well, the temptations that Jesus was tempted with. The first was to turn a stone to bread. And in so many ways, it's almost like the devil is saying, if you're the son of God, you can sacrifice everything for your physical needs. Not just for food, but anything you crave, because you deserve it. We can have this immediacy. Immediately show yourself relevant and the relevancy of your life. Your body, your comfort, your physical well-being come before anything else. So turn the stone into bread. Take care of what you need. And Jesus withstands this temptation for the immediacy of what he needs. He craves the immediate want. That's such a challenge to know those wants. Besides what we really immediately need. And Jesus needed food. He clearly wanted food. He was hungry. And yet the tempter was saying, take this, take this scarcity into your own hands and provide it for yourself. Show, your, show this. Take care of this. Yet Jesus responds with the expansive life. He quotes from Deuteronomy. Not a moral text, but a wisdom text about where we find life. And it says, you don't find life just from bread alone, but from every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every revelation that has come from God's mouth, that's where life comes Every whisper that God has breathed out. This is a wisdom text. A life that's found in what God is revealing and bringing forward and giving. Not just in bread, but in his revelation. The next temptation found in this text 
goes to, I will give you these kingdoms and authority over them if you'll worship me. And so sort of sense this power, this political power, all of it. He showed it to him in one moment. He sees it all. And it's like, I'll give it to you. It's mine to give to anybody who I please to have power and authority. But it must mean you must worship me. And yet Jesus says no to this kind of power. He says you must worship the Lord your God only. Turns that away. No for me. And the final temptation. was the one where the devil, the deceiver, takes him to the highest pinnacle in Jerusalem of the temple. And says, throw yourself down from the highest point in the temple. God said he would save you. This is the distortion of the scripture. It's a quoting. Throw yourself from the highest perch. It's almost he's saying, show everyone how great you are. Show people that God loves you best. You're on top. Show everyone that you are morally on the top. Show everyone you're more superior in your thinking, in your worship, in God's love for you. Show them that you're right. You can prove it. Take it to this spot. It is the opposite of what Jesus wants for himself and for his followers. And so then God says, no, you must not put the Lord your God to the test. You must not exceed outside of these. We're not trying to try God and prove that he loves us. We, we read these stories of God's provision and protection and goodness and we've seen weird pictures of this before among history where those who would actually have weird things like serpents around and allow them to bite them as a way of proving that God was good. But the only account that we have this in the stories is Paul who's serving people who are cold and who is stacking wood and gets bitten by something and yet does not die. He was not trying to prove. He was trying to love. And so we don't put God to the test. We're not trying to prove our superiority, that God loves us more. No, we're to show our love through service. And the temptation is, I'll show your superiority by how much you know, by how holy you are, by God's love for you. Prove it to them. Show your blessing by your accumulation. <laughs> so is that the expanse of life, to have power and accumulation and all of your wants met. And some would say, yeah, that's the blessed life. But yet Jesus shows this other way. This way of being full in the desert. Full in the hard places. That this life for us, that we can be full even in the midst of great need within the wilderness. So here's my question right now. As Jesus was moved by the Spirit, what wilderness do you find yourself in? What desert place do you find yourself in currently? Now, I have been an odd one where I have at times, moved myself into a desert place for a period of days. 
intentionally for a time of fasting and prayer in Joshua Tree National Park. And you, we can do that. I, I did that because I just felt like the hustle and bustle of life. I felt disconnected from the God, from God, even though my world supposedly was God. But so often the deserts in the wilderness are the ones we find ourselves moved into, forced into, as if we were in a car crash of sorts. As if we found ourselves in these desolate places, not by our choice. For many, the pandemic was a wilderness in a desolate place. Many of you are still there. For some, it's, it's the loneliness, it's, it's the reality of not having significant intimate relationships regardless if you're married or not. It's the desolate place. For some, it's the limitations of our own body and the brokenness of our minds or physical ailment that feels like a desolate place, a wilderness. So what's the wilderness for you? Many of us can, can think that we're meant to be out of those places, out of those places of exile. But yet it seems like there's always these, these spots that we find ourselves, maybe not at all times, but again and again and again. But even as we were there, we will see that God is with us. And we can live this expansive life there. There was a tool. You may have seen it when you came in. I meant to grab them. Um, this is called a wellness wheel. We have some out there at the table. I don't know if you've got one, but I want you to take one. I want you to grab one. Uh, this is a tool. This, this, this allows you to kind of look at your life. And in some way, it might help you to reveal some wilderness places of areas of your life. So you could say, oh, here's... here's Here's where I am and who I am in life as it looks now. Being honest and vulnerable and real and allowing God to speak into that. On this wellness wheel are things like the emotional component. And in the ass it says, what are your emotions that you feel day to day and which are prominent? And then there's a spiritual section that says, where are you in your faith journey? Do you have practices nurturing your faith? And how are you living from your values? Social. What are the positive and healthy relationships in your life? Where would you like to grow? Where do you need to draw boundaries? There's financial. What's your current financial state? How about physical? How are you taking care of your body? What does your body need? Mental. Are you mentally stimulated? Learning new things. Environmental. Does your home and our work environment allow you to thrive? Does where you live feel like home, occupational? How does your current work use your gifts? How satisfied are you on vacation? What's your calling? These are areas where you can just delve in, into this for a moment and be curious to say, where are you at? And which one feels like the greatest wilderness currently? And in that deepest wilderness, I think sometimes we can begin to reveal where the temptation is the strongest. 
and within those spots, if the temptation is the strongest, I think we need to know and hear truth. Because the lies are potentially strongest within that temptation. For me, as I was going through it and looking at them, it feels like in this time, some of our social part of our lives has, feels like a wilderness for my life and in my family. It feels like a desert. And in that, there's such a temptation. And in these aspects, I need God to speak in truth into it. Because when we're in these deserts, it's so for, easy for us to listen to voices that don't come from God. Those voices can sound appealing because they have these partial truths. And likewise, sometimes it feels more natural to dwell in the darkness than to turn toward the light. We hear voices that tell us that we're unworthy of God's love. You hear voices that say, nothing is going to change. That all is hopeless. We hear the voice of the hinderer. And we tend to turn more toward our inner demons who tell false stories about us, subverting our identities rather than turning to God who knows our true story and our real identity. And so in this text of Luke 14, or Luke 4, we see Jesus, and as the hinderer comes with these lies, Jesus goes in there with this sense of his identity and the Father's love and continues to be reminded of that of the truth, the word that God has spoken to him, wanting to listen to that truth more than listen to the little lies in the midst of a desert. And Jesus turns away from these dark voices. He does so with the help of the Father, with the Spirit, and the truth of the Father's words. So Jesus is driven into the desert much as we are driven to reflect on our lives in times of testing, struggle, and trial. But he is not alone, and neither are we. So the same power that helped Jesus in this desert helps us in ours. And so I invite you into this wellness wheel just to give you a chance just to be a bit vulnerable and to allow the area that you might be, you could just use it as an assessment to say, am I, where am I being tempted? Where, where is this area of the life that I would say, no, the life I'm living doesn't look expansive. This is not the full life that I thought we were meant to live. As Jesus was, he was in the desert. In it, we can, be, we can begin to realize some of the messages, the lies that the hinderer is saying. There's no hope. There's no hope. Do you see how long this has been going on? There's no hope. This is your fate. God doesn't love you. 
yet we can begin to lean in to say, see, Jesus never dialogues and enters into a conversation. He doesn't dialogue, but then just begins to, he just speaks truth. Oh no, we live by much more than bread. What I love with the story of this, it starts with the great truth. The truth of God that, feel, that fills, sorry, my southern accent, fills, F-I-L-L, that fills us with God's presence and essence and says, you are not alone, I am in you. And the affirmation of the Spirit says, it cries out within us that you are God's children, Father, Abba. And in that relationship that we have with God and one another, we can continue to hear the Father's pleasure over us, even as we experience brokenness. So that midst of our struggles, we can experience the fullness of God's presence and the fullness of his people. As they love us in our brokenness. So today, what is the partial truth? What is the lie? What is the temptation that you're finding yourself? What's the name of the wilderness that you would place yourself in today? And if you're like, nah, I'm, I'm actually doing amazing. And it's like, well, who's the person right next to you in a wilderness? Because they're probably only about 12 inches away. And so what, what wilderness have they found themselves in? Can you name it? How do you love them? How do you join them there? Not with solutions to remove them, but with presence and love. And then the other question is this. In the midst of this place, what is the Father saying to you? Because we know the words of the hinderer. You're not worthy to be loved. This isn't going to change. There is no hope. This is your fault. Right? All those, all those dark words. I pray there would be a crack. I pray there would be just a bit for the Spirit, for the voice of the Father to whisper to us, to hear what he might say to us in the moment. And so let's pause now and invite the Spirit to whisper into the wilderness places that we may find ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit. And for those, God, who didn't need an assessment tool to know where they are aching and hurting and filled with desolation and disoriented, where they feel deserted and abandoned, they didn't need the tool, they could have named it as they stepped in. They know the voice of the hinderer. They know the place is dark. They know what it's saying. And so, Father, we, would, would, it, would you give us the wisdom and discernment to say that is a lie? And so, Holy Spirit, Father of truth, speak your truth into this desolate, lonely, weary place. 
Whisper it, Lord. Let our hearts take hold of it. Not pursuing power, pleasures, escape. But our unity and oneness with you, our expanse of life with you. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you speak your affirmation? your blessing and our identity over us that we might hear it again today. And be filled in this moment for the journey before us. Amen. And so as we go, I just want to pray an affirmation of faith uh, over us. We're going to, we're invited to go eat uh, in the South Hall. We know for some, you may not be ready for this, or you're, you're still, it's like, not, not yet. Our hope is on the first Sunday to experience a kind of communion together by eating together. And so if you're like, God, not yet then we say, oh, by all means, take, take your time. You, if you can't today or if you're still not comfortable, because that will mean removing your mask and sitting at a table. And so we, we do want some form of communion where you're able to sit with some others around a table. The tables aren't massive, but we want to invite you to be there. If you're not comfortable yet, we get it. We're continuing to watch. We know that many of us have greater risks. Some of us are more vulnerable and our families are more vulnerable. And because of that, we're not ready. Our hope is God willing that we'll be able to continue to have this pattern of sitting at a table together and experiencing communion with one another. Communion around a meal. Today we have soups, salads, and bread. The bread was bought by Jenna's parents who are bakers. It's beautiful. I somehow, even by the miraculous mercy of God, made a vegetarian soup. I don't know how it happened, (laughs) but it did. God is good. But we invite you to come and to eat. There there is enough. Come around a table. And we're going to experience communion in that way, of being welcomed to the table of God. Not, not in a um, formal kind of way, but in fellowship. Knowing that we're eating together over the provision and the goodness of Jesus. If you're at home, we invite you to the tables of your home and to be reminded of Jesus around that table. Jesus does care for you. May the meal and the company be a portion of the provision of what Jesus has given to us today. With his body and his blood broken for us. So I invite you. Come and, come and join us around there. But we give you the freedom and the grace if you can't go in peace. Maybe next month.
maybe May, maybe June. We might even just move it outside as the weather continues great, just to um, open that table so that people can feel comfortable we can be together and experience the communion around as a family meal. So we invite you to stay for that. So I'm going to pray this invitation to the table upon us and then an affirmation of faith, and then we're going to be dismissed. And so here's the invitation to the table. Jesus has always been one to invite. He said, drop your nets and follow me. He said, let the little children come. He said, step up from your mat. You're healed. Jesus has always been one to invite. And that has not changed. So friends, you're invited to this table, each and every one of us, with our doubts, our fears, our scars, our joy, our dreams, our hopes, our questions. We are invited to God's table. And here we will be met. Here we will be fed. Here we are given a taste of the expansive life that is full to the brim with love. Overflowing with joy. So come. Not because you must, but because you can. Come. You were invited. This table's for you. And may we pray this affirmation of faith. We believe God is love. We believe God's love is overflowing. We believe Jesus is a river. We believe that river is running towards us. We believe the Holy Spirit is a vessel. We believe that vessel holds mercy for you and for me. We believe the wilderness is real. We believe the desert is lonely. We believe that Jesus has been there. And we know that we do not walk alone. Even in the desert, we are loved. Even in the desert, God is with us. Even in the desert, this love overflows. Thanks be to God. Amen. May you go in peace. Come and join us as you can. God bless you guys, those on Zoom. We'd love to see you next month on April, that first Sunday of April, to eat. God willing, we'll be outside for that.